Welcome to Behind the Schemes, a discussion of how commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures are destroying our planet's precious wildlife. This is Risha Kota Larsen with Behind the Schemes, and in this episode, we're talking about rhino protection from the USA. Although the United States doesn't have its own wild rhinos, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service plays a significant role in global rhino conservation. The service provides funding to projects in Africa and Asia which help protect rhino populations, and the Office of Law Enforcement is actively engaged with disrupting rhino horn trafficking networks. Sal Amato, special agent in charge from the Northeast region of the United States Fish and Wildlife Service Office of Law Enforcement, gives us an inside look at what the service is doing to protect rhinos and also tells us about a recent rhino horn investigation. Can you tell us what are the U.S. laws that are protecting rhinos? Yes, um, four of the five rhino species the black, Sumatran, Javan, and Indian rhinos are protected by the Endangered Species Act. This is a United States federal regulation that affords a high level of protection to animals that are deemed to be in danger. Um, generally, this law prohibits the import, export, and interstate commerce of uh, species listed under that act. Additionally, all five species, including the white rhino, are all listed under the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species, or CITES, which is an international wildlife protection treaty to which the United States is a member. The Fish and Wildlife Service has a dedicated staff of both law enforcement special agents and wildlife inspectors, and we enforce national and international wildlife laws, including um, laws that... Uh, regulate interstate and foreign commerce provisions of the Endangered Species Act. Additionally, um, Congress enacted in 1998 uh, the Rhinoceros and Tiger Conservation Act that established a conservation fund for rhinos, which is used for conservation efforts throughout the range countries of rhinos. And it also contains a provision that prevents, prohibits the import and export and sale of any product that even claims to contain rhino or tiger parts. This allows customs and the service to seize any products which are labeled to contain rhinos or tiger uh, products and not have to actually prove that that substance is in those, uh, those products, which can be quite a challenge when they're in a, a medicinal form. Oh, excellent. So they can't even advertise that they have rhino horn and uh, tiger parts in there then. They can't even say that they've got it. Correct. It, okay. it can't, can't be listed as an ingredient. Okay. What is the Fish and Wildlife Service doing to protect rhinos? Well, as a federally and internationally protected uh, species, uh, the preservation and conservation of rhinos is a high priority for the service. Um, the service, through its Wildlife Without Borders, uh, Rhinos and Tiger Conservation Fund, seek to provide grants throughout Africa and Asia to groups and government uh, agencies seeking to protect and help conserve rhino populations. Funding has supported anti-poaching teams, provided training and equipment for game wardens and investigators, helped with reintroductions and habitat um, conservation, uh, 
and uh, and generally uh, helped these range countries uh, uh, protect and conserve the rhino species they have in their uh, in their countries. I can provide some examples if you'd like. Oh, please, that'd be great. Well, the fund supports training we call the scene of the crime. It's a sort of a CSI type workshops in several African countries. Hmm where we give training to wildlife rangers, um, basic training essential in, in helping them uh, appropriately handle and process crime scenes and evidence. Um, also educates uh, police and prosecutors and judges about the severity of wildlife crimes and helps them um, uh, deal with uh, uh, these types of crimes uh, appropriately in their countries. Um, in Zimbabwe, we've, uh, Grant is helping to put together a workshop taught by rhino field practitioners and lawyers familiar with wildlife policy. Uh, representatives of the police and judiciary are scheduled to attend and get more information about the plight of rhinos. Uh, in Nepal, our partners have been working with wildlife authorities, the police and, uh, and the army to assist in the identification and arrest of rhino poachers. And in Indonesia, grants are working to cut poaching of Sumatran and Jivan rhinos, whose combined populations total less than 300. Oh, wow. Uh, here, uh, the service office of law enforcement, we're actively engaged in disrupting rhino smuggling rings, as seen with our recent investigation called Operation Crash. We enforce uh, federal and international laws um, and regulate the import and export at our borders of rhino and rhino products. Uh, our special agents work to investigate and infiltrate rhino uh, smuggling rings and bring those responsible for violating laws to justice. And our wildlife inspectors work at our borders, always on the lookout for rhino horns and rhino parts. And we confiscate those and look to prosecute those who are responsible. Oh, going back to what you were saying about uh, the rhino horn smuggling rings, can you tell me about uh, that recent rhino horn investigation in the U.S.? Sure. Uh, Operation Crash, which was named after uh, a crash is the term for a herd of rhinos. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nationwide undercover investigation that was focused on the illegal trafficking of uh, rhinoceros horns. And uh, in, in a very short period of time, dismantled a major international smuggling ring operating in the U.S. Wow. In February, um, we were able to mobilize uh, over 150 officers, special agents, some refuge officers and wildlife inspectors. Uh, we worked closely with Homeland Security agents, with the IRS and IRS agents, and some state conservation officers. And we executed um, uh, search warrants and arrested a um, sorry seven people, uh, and executed search warrants in thirteen states. Wow. Um, this investigation is still ongoing, uh, but um, the the first uh, that first operation, that first what we call a takedown, mm -hmm. um, resulted in the uh, seizure of thirty seven rhinoceros horns and products made from horns such as dagger handles and libation cups. Oh my gosh. Also seized during that operation was uh, pretty close to a hundred, I'm sorry, to a million dollars in cash and another million dollars in gold ingots, uh, as well as some high-end watches such as Rolexes and some high-end jewelry and diamonds. Oh my gosh. That trade. 
Wow. And so even the, even the Internal Revenue Service was involved. Interesting. Hmm. What uh, kind of penalties are there in the U.S. for possessing and transporting and trafficking in rhino parts? Well, keep in mind, I can give you uh, what are maximum penalties for violation of these statutes, but mm -hmm. uh, the actual, what is actually handed down by judges uh, could, could vary significantly from that it, it, based on the, the actual scope of uh, the illegal activity. Mm -hmm. The individual defendant's prior, um, you know, arrest record, that type of thing. A whole lot goes into determining what an appropriate sentence is. Mm -hmm. But maximum penalties for these violations are fairly significant. and include up to one year in prison and a hundred thousand dollar fine for violating the Endangered Species Act. Uh, our Lacey Act provisions allow for up to five years in prison and two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. And the Rhino Tiger Conservation Act also provides up to additional six months in prison and additional fines. A lot of these uh, subjects are involved in violating multiple uh, statutes. And then do they also, do you find that some of them are involved in other things too, like conspiracy and... Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why we work closely with, uh, with our other allied agencies, such as the IRS and, and Customs, because a lot of times they are involved in, in, in organized um, trafficking and, and conspiracy mm. um, and um, in violating custom statutes as well as uh, money laundering statutes, that type of thing. And then just overall, how have you seen that rhino killings have increased uh, over the last several years? Well, actually, we did take a, a look at that, and, and unfortunately, despite international efforts to protect rhinos, it, it appears uh, just in South Africa alone, uh, over a three-year period, 2008 to 2010, mm -hmm. um, the, the uh, killing of rhino, poaching of rhinos, uh, dramatically increased from 83 in 2008 to what appears to be at least 330 three in 2010. So that's quite a significant uh, rise in poaching. And uh, I think it's a, it's more indicative of what's going on with this trade as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times people aren't thinking about uh, the connection between these rhinos that are getting killed in other countries and the fact that these uh, trophies and libation cups and um, and horns uh, antiques are getting traded everywhere else, and it's all. It's I think it's uh, I agree. It's important to point out that all of this is connected. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I believe that anything that helps fuel this trade, um, you know, the people that are looking to. Um, uh, benefit uh, off the back of an endangered species and, and profit um, from this type of activity aren't going to stop with what's sitting on a shelf. Eventually, yeah. they're going to go wherever wherever that product is, whether it's uh, a live animal roam in the fields uh, mm -hmm. in Africa or Asia, or whether it's a, a, a trophy sitting on somebody's wall. I mean, uh, the, to them, it's, it's just, it's greed and money. Yep. The value of these, uh, what's been placed on, on uh, rhino horns at this point is just uh, fueling this, this illegal trade. 
Um, right now, uh, the black market value is upwards of $25,000 per pound. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worth more than its weight. In, um, that's quite an incentive to um, participate in this type of, uh, you know, trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's underlying all this is still the belief that that rhino horn um, has medicinal properties. Um, most of this stuff appears to be destined uh, to Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite years of uh, scientific evidence to the contrary, uh, rhino horn, as you are well aware, is made up of nothing more than um, the same material that's in our fingernails, um, that the belief that this has some medicinal properties is still there, and we believe that that's what's driving this whole um, activity. Yeah. And uh, we were talking before about where these horns come from. You know, what we hear about a lot in the news, obviously, are the uh, terrible tragedies of the rhinos being killed. But going back to what you said about a trophy hanging on a wall, where where else are the, are people getting these rhino horns? Well, uh, as you may have seen, it, it was fairly uh, um, publicly uh, um, out there in the media, there has been quite a few thefts in museums and estates in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, organized crime and, and people that are seeking to profit in this type of uh, product are, are going anywhere they, they can to find this stuff. If uh, we're basically just placed a, a significant value literally on the nose of these uh, uh, rhinos and these trophies that are sitting have been sitting for years in, in museums and estates. I think uh, in the United States, um, that's pretty indicative of what we're seeing is that otherwise lawfully uh, imported rhino horns, such as from sport hunted trophies, lawfully harvested sport hunted trophies, mm-hmm. uh, get put in uh, uh, into commercial trade, which is, uh, is not the purpose of the lawful import. So it would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Where can people learn more about the work of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and how can they help you guys out? And people can read more about uh, the laws protecting rhinos at the Fish and Wildlife Service's main website. And that mm-hmm. can be found at www.fws.gov. They can also find information uh, with other international organizations like Traffic and the World Wildlife Fund. Um, I think it's important thing is for the public to be aware of the fact that purchasing and importing rhino products into the U.S., and for that matter, looking to sell a rhino horn that may have been in your family for years, uh, may not only be illegal, but also uh, will dramatically affect the survival of an imperiled species. It fuels the trade uh, in this um, uh, commodity uh, on an animal that frankly can't support it. I think the only way to ensure that rhinos are around for our children and our grandchildren are for international groups, federal agencies like the Fish and Wildlife Service, to work with the public to educate people about the plight of rhinos and the importance of protecting um, all all species, and essentially work with them to avoid purchasing rhino products, let us know when they see it, if they see it in the trade, and the bottom line is that the current um, level of illegal activity with regards to rhino horns, if left unchecked, 
I think will will pretty much uh, be an end to that spectacular species. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And also, I just want to say congratulations to um, you and the team at Fish and Wildlife Service on Operation Crash. I think that was a big win. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to say that that was a small federal agency doing big things. And mm -hmm. I'm very proud of my own agency for their role in uh, taking on that uh, organized um, activity and making a big impact and, and stopping it. Excellent. And thank you so much for your time today, Sal. It was really a pleasure to speak with you about this. Thank you, Risha. It was a pleasure as well. You've been listening to Rhino Protection from the USA with Sal Amato, Special Agent in Charge from the Northeast Region of the United States Fish and Wildlife Service Office of Law Enforcement. This is Risha Kota Larson with Behind the Schemes.